This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Todd Spates of Yanks Cash. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website, Adult Site Broker 3.0, at adultsitebroker.com. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date and easier to navigate. The new site also has links to our affiliate program, ASB Cash, and our new blog. Speaking of ASB Cash, we've doubled our affiliate payouts. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a streaming network of sites for independent performers. Most of the traffic comes from North America. It's the Shopify of streaming video and offers turnkey streaming sites to content creators. Creators provide some information about their brand, choose a look and feel, upload their images and videos, and they launch their streaming site on the domain of their choice in minutes. The platform provides everything creators need from customer support to payment processing so creators can focus on managing their content and marketing their site. The platform can also generate revenue from ads on free content as well as subscriptions to premium content. The platform uses AWS cloud technology to stream live and on-demand content around the world. The sale also includes a mainstream platform. The content is sold on a monthly subscription basis. The code was developed in-house by their team of engineers. This is a great opportunity to enter the exciting world of live streaming video for a modest cost. Platforms like this cost a lot more to build from scratch. Only $540,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Tank Broker Talk is Todd Spates of Yanks Cash. Todd, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. You're welcome. Looking, look, I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. It's been a bit of time that it took to get you on, but I guess a cross-continent move will uh, will cause some delays. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, Billy and I just relocated from uh, from Arizona to uh, Valencia, Spain. The process was about four months with getting furniture, you know, shipped over, and, and it was just it was it was an ordeal. But um, now we are fully moved in, and it's it's great. Awesome. Now, Todd is a 20-year veteran of the industry, co-founder of Yanks Cash, and its flagship site, yanks.com. Todd holds an MBA from the University of Washington. Not too many MBAs in our industry. He's an award-winning, classically trained French chef, and he's the author of the soon-to-be-published book, American Orgasm, The True Story of an Ethical Pornographer. Yanks Cash and its flagship site, yanks.com, was founded in 2002 in San Diego on the idea that solo girl and girl-girl porn could be different. A Yank shoot is less scripted, safer, and focused on the sexual pleasure of the creators for the ultimate pleasure of the viewer. Makes sense. 
This has been accomplished by pioneering 20 years ago many of the creator-centric policies that are commonplace today. A yank shoot isn't the direction of a sexual interaction. It's always been a collaboration between their site and the model to create a sexual experience to be shared with their members. On the business side, Yanks Cash has a bulletproof reputation and has always been a leader in pushing for a safer, more ethical industry. So, Todd, let's talk some more about your move. Going from Arizona to Valencia, Spain, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, thanks. So we we had lived in Valencia um, from 2014 to 2018, mm-hmm. um, and then we we left to go. Billy and I both left to go to cooking school in Paris, mm-hmm. um, and we both went to Le Cordon Bleu. Yeah, um, came back to. We actually decided to move um, from Spain back to the states um, in early 2020 and hit hit COVID um, <laughs> right right smack in the middle of our move. Welcome uh, home. We were, Oh yeah, so we were actually well. We actually got stuck in the UK. We were supposed to take the Queen Mary two, Queen Mary two, no Queen Elizabeth two, I believe mm-hmm. QE two, across from Southampton to New York, but it got canceled mm-hmm. because of COVID. Right. Uh, we were doing that because we had to have our dog with us. Oh yeah. And so we just got stuck in the UK for for six months. When mm-hmm. our visa ran out there, we drove from uh, from Oxford to uh, Naxos in Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, drove and took ferries. Kind of hit out there for three months. Then COVID still wasn't letting up during the summer. Then we drove from Naxos, Greece to Scotland, Edinburgh. We're there another four months before we could eventually get back to the States. Jeez. And so, yeah, it was, it's, it's been uh, the last three years have been quite a, a journey. For everybody, I think. So tell us how you got started in the industry. Billy and I, she's my partner who, who most people in the industry know of. She doesn't go to a ton of shows, but mm-hmm. um, you know she used to. Uh, we were living in San Diego in, in 2000, 2001, 2002, and we were both bartending um, at a place called On Broadway Event Center, which was um, really one of the, the, the biggest and most popular nightclubs in, in all of Southern California at the time. Hmm. And we were just looking for something to do. I mean, we were working two days a week making you know killer money. Mm-hmm. And I've always had this idea of uh, you know the internet, you know, which was still fairly new. And hmm. porn is just a, a great way to make money. Absolutely. You know, so one day I kind of pulled her aside and I said, Hey, I've got this idea. And the idea was essentially I used to watch uh, Ed Powers videos and I love Ed and I, I love the way he did things by doing an interview and talking to the girls. And he sort of he sort of had a really good rapport with them. And then, you know, then the difference between Ed Powers videos is then he'd eventually get on the bed with kind of he'd have his just black socks on and he'd have sex with the girl. And that kind of ruined it for me, but I really liked. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't. Was it, was it him or the black socks? <laughs> it was, I'd say both, but yeah, the the kind of pale white skin and the black socks were a bit much. And I met Ed, and he's a really nice guy. So you know, yeah, no offense to him, but um, <laughs> you know, but I loved, I loved the way he did it, where you know he he just built this rapport with the girls, and he'd usually have them start out masturbating, and they seemed to be really mm-hmm. comfortable and they seem to be actually enjoying themselves before he kind of jump on the bed. Now I don't blame him for doing that. Cause he's, you know, a hot sure. girl there masturbating. So he's, it's, it's, yeah. it's his genre. Um, sure. But I just thought that, you know, Hey, if you just were able to build that kind of rapport with the girl and then let them do that and just record it without a lot of direction, and just kind of let that play out. It'd be content that people would really like. So I ran that idea by Billy and she pretty much was like, do you think it'll work and make money? And I'm like, yep, I do. And so we, really just jumped in. We didn't have tech, you know, we're not from a technical background. Um, we, 
you know, I'm not a programmer, developer. I'm not a photographer, videographer. I didn't have that background either. That makes, that makes two of us. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we just jumped in, bought a camera, bought a video camera, a still camera, figured out lighting, figured out audio, figured out how to build web pages. Um, we, you know, didn't have a lot of money. Um, so we built our actual, you know, our editing machine um, mm. from scratch, just going to Fry's electronics store in Southern California and just putting together the computers sure. and just did everything from the ground up. Wow. It's been a, quite a success story, Yanks Cash. I mean, to to be around as long as you guys have, that's got to be very gratifying. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting ride because, um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, when we started, we had a, a great following, but it was kind of niche. But the dedication to it was really was was I mean people were very dedicated to the content and we had a lot of fans, right? Um, you know, at the same time we weren't really we were never really the flavor of the month. I mean, we weren't you know we didn't have a Tawny Stone like Lightspeed did, mm-hmm. or, you right. know, and Silver Cash and Top Cash and and all mm-hmm. these big massive programs. Yeah, that kind of came along. We started in two thousand and two, and a lot of those programs are just just two years ahead of us, mm-hmm. and. You know, that two years combined with them kind of pursuing a little bit more mainstream porn with lesbian and teen and things of that nature, they got a little bit ahead of us. But what's kind of nice is I think that just the dedication we've had from our fans for so long, we were able to just just keep going. And 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 even, you know, when the industry's had its ups and downs, that dedication of our fans has, has kept us going. Right. Well, you mentioned those other programs. I mean, I don't think any of those are still around. And you are. Uh, no, no. And I mean, the, you know, they all did well. And I think when, sure, when in their day, right? hit and, and porn, you know, Pornhub came along, I think a lot of those guys were able to just take their cash and run. And so, sure. you know, it's definitely impressive. Right. But yeah. I mean, there is some gratification in still being here and still being, you know, one of the few pay sites that go to shows. And, um, that's a, that's a, that's a market that seems to be really coming back though lately, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's very gratifying. So in your mind, do you think content is King or is traffic King? I always look at it two ways. I mean, you know, they obviously it's, it's a chicken and egg situation cause they kind of rely on each other. Of course. Um, but you know, the way I kind of think about it is, you know, if, if, if you're going to a location, something, if you're going to out to eat to a really great restaurant, you need to drive to get there. So, you know, the road is, is the traffic and the, and the, the content is the food you eat there. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's all said and done though, you remember the meal you had, you don't remember the drive there. The drive there is necessary and traffic is necessary, but I, I do think content is king. And I always think that the state of the industry can really um, kind, of, kind of boils down to that. I mean, when traffic is prioritized, when you go to a show and it's just, you know, a thousand companies cycling around the same traffic, the, the, the industry is really not in a good state. It's just, it's, it's kind of a bullshit. It's not a bullshit tactic, but it's just, just a, it's just the industry is not in a very healthy state. But when content really becomes the focus again and, and the quality of the content and the resolution of the content and, you know, the creators and the models are being compens- compensated well, I think that's, that's a healthy industry. So I, you know, that's where I really just lean towards making, you know, content a priority. What would it take to make the industry healthier? Because you said the content should be the priority. And I agree. I mean, if you're not doing something different, if you're not doing something that people want, then they're just going to go to the tubes and get free porn. I mean, the, the, the first thing I always really lean hard into is, is 
is leadership in this industry mm-hmm. and, and really the lack of leadership. I did a lot of research and a lot of interviews for my book. And right. one of the things I always asked people was, you know, when you've been involved in other industry, while obviously the bottom line is important in making money, I, I always asked them if those other industries that they've been involved in were the same way in prioritizing the health of their industry and thinking long term. And almost and without exception, they've always said, Yeah, you know, like I was I was from the restaurant industry or I was from this, you know, manufacturing or something. And while the bottom line was always important, the company I worked for always contributed to the industry in a way that that the industry was thinking long term and its own health and, and 10 years and 20 years down the line. Right. And that always, that always takes leadership. You know, so while, you know, I look at this industry right now and the three probably, the, you know, the, the tubes being, you know, the Mind, Mind Geek and X Videos and X Hamster, mm-hmm. right. um, which I work with all of them and sure. I think they're coming around. They're still, yes. not, they're still not stepping up to the plate in a big way as leaders. I mean, for one, I've never, and maybe this has happened, but I've never seen the CEO or the the operations officer or a representative from each of those companies on one panel in a Vegas or at LA or somewhere. Interesting. And, and you're right. Taking questions and just talking. And that yeah. to me is that's obscene. I mean, that's, that's really bizarre to me that Agreed. the three biggest players can't be in the same room and just talk about the state of the industry. Yeah. I get, I mean, XN and XX, I don't see them. At all, yeah. not, nor any of their people. You see people from MindGeek from time to time, um, and you you certainly see people from Gamma. Um, but as far as and and you do see people from X Hamster, I will say that. And the CEO from X Hamster does go to shows in Europe. Like I said, I work with all of them, and I think I I, I really I love X Hamster. I've I've got a really good rep now at each three at each of the three companies, and yep. I talk to them weekly and. They are coming around, but they're also seem- seemingly a little bit scared of you know of just being out in front, and they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, they they should be a little more right. vocal, right? You know, they should get in the same room together and and talk about some stuff. You know, I think that would be great. It's something that uh, maybe we should call for. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I mean, they're I, listening. I we should. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would love that. I mean, I think that would be the most amazing panel. At any of the shows or all the shows, if one representative from all three of them sat, you know, in front of in front of the the industry and allowed some questions, and mm-hmm. and you know, they even you know came up with some guidelines. I mean, because right. you know, obviously, when you look at the, tra- the trajectory of the tubes, um, you know, they they acquired a lot of content, um, mm-hmm. and they were able to give that away for free, and in the process, they destroyed their own supply chain. By putting True. it, putting so many um, pay sites out of business, and then what happened is the the content that was just buried in there was very problematic, which I think the entire industry always knew. And now they're really all you know doing a hard pivot back to you know, hey, holy cow, like you guys make good content, help us, you know, and they are we are, um, but it's still, it, it, I think the. I think the messaging is still a bit strained and the leadership still a bit weak. It's true. So you're on a lot of state of the industry panels. Give me a couple words on how you describe the state of the industry. Well, I mean, it's already kind of touched on some of that, but you know, I always look, I always try to boil, boil some things down. And and one of the way, so whenever I do the state of the industry panel and I like moderating them because it allows me to, I like being on panels because it allows me to answer questions that obviously self-promote yanks, but that yep. also just self-promote my 
ethics and my vision of the industry. Right. When I moderate a panel, it's even better because I can create the questions and then, you know, put put my sort of vision in front of others to comment on or, or, or you know, pivot on. So whenever I do a state of the industry, I sort of open with the same statement. Um, and that statement is that if you really boil down this this transaction, it's it's essentially, you know, a, a person, man, woman taking, you know, a, an erotic photo of another person and then selling it to a third party. You know, the, the, the model can take a selfie and do it. Um, a series of, of photos is a video, whether it's live or streaming. Like that's, that's just the basic, you know, transaction. That's the core transaction. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the health of that core transaction, it, it, it's, it just says everything you need to know about the industry. I mean, if, yep. if somebody can do that successfully and pay their bills and do well and they're motivated, they're making enough profit to be, be motivated by that process, then the state of the industry is good. When that core transaction is threatened, then the state of the industry is, is is poor. And so that's what I always think is, you know, if I if I got X hamster, X videos and, and mind geek in a room together in front of the industry, that's what that, that's what my first question would be is like, you know, what are the guidelines that you three can all agree on that you could lead to pr- protect that core transaction? And look at the players out there who are not protecting that core transaction. And, and let's make sure we're, we're calling them out and we're cutting off the, the supply of, of money, you know, holding them to a set of core values that this industry can't agree on. Yeah. So along with that, now you're often preaching about ethics in our industry. How should we become more ethical? I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a lot of like, you know, know your customer. I go back and forth on, on just like naming names, but, you know, I look at some of the bigger link lists out there. Um, something like the porn dude. Mm-hmm. And you look at that site and what you see is hundreds of companies that have won awards from Why Not, from XBiz, from AVN. Mm-hmm. And then listed on those pages are also file lockers and torrents and um, tubes mm-hmm. that that are just steal content from creators and from pay sites. And so a simple, a simple knowing your customer, you know, that guy gets paid through affiliates. You know, he gets paid by promoting cams. If you're a cam company, a stream aid and a chatterbait, you shouldn't be subsidizing a list like that if it's also linking to other sites that are that are helping that are thieves, to, yeah. you know, people to steal from your right. other clients. Sure. I think one of the things that that I, I do preach and sometimes people get frustrated, but um, a lot of my, one of my biggest pet peeves is I think that people tend to think that because I preach or because I'm ethical that I'm naive. Um, and I understand that there's money involved and I understand the SEO aspects and I understand all that, but it's money, but it's just about who gets the money. Nobody that gets in their computer to, to kind of rub one out and goes to like the porn dude. If he's not there anymore, that guy's not putting his dick away and going to the gym. You know, he's just going to (laughs) find something else. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, if this industry rooted out the people that were making the money that shouldn't be and just directed it to the right hands, it's the same amount of money. It's just who gets it. Very it's true. And it's not just review sites, okay? There are traffic companies that buy and sell traffic from people who steal content. Exactly. Exactly. And that, to me, that's not okay. And those people should be called out. Yeah, I mean, and the traffic, and that's the thing, is the traffic from those companies, will, it'll just exist somewhere else. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's it, The traffic, It's it's not... 
it's just not going to go away because it's, I mean, it's sex. I mean, you know, sex, I mean, people are going to, you know, if, if somebody wants to get a beer, they're going to get a beer. If there's, there's bars available I mean, you just, you got to make sure the right people own them, you know? Right. Sure. So what do you believe the biggest challenges facing our industry? I mean, it's just, it's just leadership. You know, I know, I know so many people that I, that I would say are just really good people in this, in this industry, but they don't have a lot of power individually. And we can never seem to get together to um, get enough power collectively. So I think it's leadership. And it's, it's just, it's shocked to me really in the 20 years that I've been in this business that I can't remember one single person that has really, really stepped up with power to, to be like, you know, let's, let's do some good things. Um, not one. I mean, not one. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I look back, when I started, why not Bob was a, was mm-hmm. a really good friend to me. Me too. And yeah. And he, he sort of seemed to, you know, and he was an ethical guy sure. and he seemed to be able to have that kind of presence mm-hmm. um, for a while. But then I think, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of fell out, you know, but somebody like that and, and, you know, and again, he didn't have enough power and enough traffic at that time, even then. No, but, that's true. But, that's you know, I think, I think he was an, in, so somebody like that, I think with a, with a real presence is, is, would be really nice to see. And so I think leadership is the, the biggest thing this industry really needs. Well, maybe it needs to be you. I mean, I, I, I would love to be that, but, you know, again, the, the challenge there is, is that, you know, I th- I think you really, you know, you need some power behind it and power is kind of money. Well, I, I mean, well, but <laughs> right, right. You, you look at all the things the, the uh, free speech coalition does, maybe that's something they should take on. Yeah. But you know, and, and, and those organizations are great too, but the challenge is, is that, you know, they do, they do tend to have very, you know, high level sponsors and then they're kind of limited to how they can criticize them. I criticize some of the bigger players in this industry because I'd like to see them do more, but I don't, I don't think we need to go after them. I just think, I just think there needs to be pressure for them to be the best they can be better. You know, so I think those bigger organizations do rely on so much funding from those big players that they do have to back off with any criticism. It's very true because they they survive on sponsorships. Yeah, they do. They do. So you've been at this a while, obviously. Who are three people in the industry you respect? Well, besides myself, of course. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, a, a couple of so so. There's three people that I've I've had really great conversations with, and it's um, Steve from, Steve from Gruby, who I just think is yes. he's, he's a really stand up guy. I love him. Agreed. Um, um, Sam Rakowski is a really good friend from Mister Skin, and yep. I, I just I really respect the way he does things. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of coming back onto the scene a bit because he owns uh, CreamPie.com now is a uh, Shap uh, Sean. Oh yeah, he's a really interesting and good person. I've spent a number of hours with him on the phone, just talking and riffing, going back and forth. Good guy. I would agree wholeheartedly on those three. Those are are three of the best people in the industry. There's no two ways about it. So now you recently wrote a book, as we mentioned at the top, American Orgasm, the story of an ethical pornographer. Why don't you tell us about the journey and what prompted you to write a book? Um, so I'm, I, you know, it's not published. I hope to get it published this year. The book's written and I'm just involved in uh, rewrites. This year was a little, a little tough because I lost my younger brother uh, oh, to, to an addiction. Yeah. Oh, thank geez. you. Appreciate that. And um, so it was just, I, I really got off of writing and um, it's, it's, I can write um, through a lot of different things, um, but 
I found myself really um, with a lot of lack of creativity when it comes to rewrites because it's just the rewrites are kind of brutal. It's just just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. So I hope to have that out this year. But um, kind of what prompted me to write it is is really just looking at the role that Yanks Cash played. Is is that it? You know, we were never really the flavor of the month, but we we had we 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 have and have have now um, a nice amount of success. And so we were sort of like, you know, we were we were in the industry. We grew, um, you know, very organically, like so many companies. And we had, I think, a really a good view of that. So I wanted to write a book that wasn't just about the parties because I've I've read some um, accounts of of the adult industry, you know, online, and and you know they they tend to really just talk about the shows. And then it's like, while it's fun, um, I mean, the shows are a blast when every story is sort of like. You know, oh, I met so and so. We did a ton of cocaine. We fucked these chicks, and and then uh, you know we slept, and then did it again. Boring. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it makes a great story, but once it's five, six, seven times, you're like, okay, cool. Like that's cool for you, but it's not that interesting. <laughs> you know, so what I wanted to just really write about was the experience of um, even our first day of interviews, mm-hmm. where we just put ads in the San Diego paper. For girls to come by, you know, at this this embassy suites lobby in downtown San Diego, right? Um, Billy and I went, and we had no experience with with cameras, video, still tech, anything, and um, just seeing the girls that showed up and asked them why they were there, and just figuring it all out. And so, right. I think the account of how that was in the early two thousands, and and what it's like to you know, do your first porn shoot, just grow in the industry. I thought that would be very interesting to people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of my role models is Anthony Bourdain. Oh, and I always God. thought that that yeah. Yanks had this I bet, similarity. I bet, as a, I bet as a chef, he must be, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I really connect with him in, in terms of the travel. Um, I love the travel yeah. and I, I travel a lot. And the chef, you know, being a chef. And and, yes. um, and that's why, you know, I love to write. I love his style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think what, what I kind of shared the, the book that I'm writing, I want it to be kind of regarded in that way. And I think Anthony mm-hmm. Bourdain was interesting because while he was a good chef and was successful, mm-hmm. he also wasn't like a celebrity chef. So right. he was very much like in that Yanks where he could look, look, he was in the middle, you know, he was sort of witnessing the restaurant mm-hmm. industry and wrote the real story of it. Whereas I've, I've kind of feel like that's what we've been witnessing the adult industry without being on top of it necessarily, but certainly mm-hmm. not being at the bottom of it either. You know, a really yeah. good whole experience. Yeah. I really missed the, I really missed the guy. It was really tragic um, that he took his own Terrible. life. It was a shock to everybody, I think. And yeah, uh, God, I used to love his show. His show was amazing. Just amazing. Uh, and, so he had, and he had so much more to give, you know? Um, I know. And you know, it's just, it's the saddest thing how it's just, with something like that, it's a moment of sadness where he just yeah. wasn't in the right spot and, and yeah. uh, there wasn't somebody by him and, you yeah. know, cause man. Yeah. So you know, growing up, so um, living in San Diego, all those years, you and you and Bob were neighbors. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was really bizarre because um, he, he literally lived like um, I think two and a half miles from me. Wow. Um, you know, and when we started in the industry, I didn't know, you know, that's another thing too. Like I, you know, wrote about this period where we started mm-hmm. in the industry and we didn't know anybody. Like we didn't know anybody. Yeah. yeah. And eventually this one guy, you know, this, this one person we had that we were, it was kind of helping us out with some things like, well, you got to meet why not Bob? Like, you know, he mm-hmm. is the industry. And, and I'm, yep. I'm like, okay. he sure was. He sure was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, so I finally uh, actually met him at, a, at the Why Not show in Mexico. And mm-hmm. yeah, we became good friends oh. and he, he'd do his. Did, we, did, we, did you and I go to one of those at the same time? I think we did because I went to two or three of them. I, yeah, I, it must I have been. So. I, I think I so, did, yeah. I think those the first ones. Those, were, oh those are just crazy. I remember, oh, yeah. I remember the first one I went to, we were drinking tequila on the bus on the way down from the airport. And I remember laying back on the bed of a, on the uh, bed of a pickup truck and falling asleep and them having to wake <laughs> me up um, because they were going to leave. And on that, uh, on that one, I roomed with, with Alex Riolion. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There wasn't a sober moment, not a sober moment. In fact, I need to get that dude on the podcast. He's been around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Bob no, was, Bob was awesome. a mentor. Yeah. Bob was a mentor for me too. And, uh, he was the first person I actually met in the industry because I had bought his audio program. Um, maybe it was a video program. I don't remember about starting sites. And of course I had already fucked everything up by the time I got it, but that's, that's another story. Um, I was a terrible, terrible site owner, but, um, I, I remember Bob, uh, my first show was Vegas and Bob was with, uh, with, uh, Doug Wicks. And when he was with CC Bill and it was like, Bob says, well, meet us in the bar over at Circus Circus. <laughs> so uh, actually Doug was the first one I met cause Bob wasn't there yet, but then Bob showed up and, uh, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people in the industry that's still in touch with Bob. So. Oh, are you? Yeah. I, I, I lost touch with him. Oh, um, I can give you, I can give you his information. No problem. You know, he's in the insurance yeah. business now, right? I, yeah, I thought so. He's living in Florida, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And he was, I mean, it was funny cause we used to, when he was drinking, I, you know, I think he quit now, but, um, yeah, we, you know, after the hump day radio show, we, I'd meet him at his local bar and yeah. I mean, we would just get hammered and then play call of duty on the why not servers, which was really fun. <laughs> so now you're probably the only award-winning classically trained fresh French. I'm going to get that right. Chef in the <laughs> industry. So tell us a little bit about that accomplishment. I think so. I mean, maybe, you know, I maybe I, I told you that, so I hope I'm not wrong. But um, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, in, in, in 2018, we kind of took a little bit of a break from the sites and um, I wanted to write the book. Um, and then also it was my dream to go to to cooking school. And so I wanted to go to Le Cordon Bleu, you know, in Paris. And to me, that was that was just the dream to do. Sure. Um, and Billy, who's who's she doesn't really like to cook that much, but she's like, you know, I think I'd like to do something completely challenging like this. So hmm. um she enrolled in the patisserie diploma program and I did the um did the cuisine, so on the savory side. And um it's a yeah. nine month program. Um right. you know, pretty intense, 30, 35 hours a week. Jeez. Um with really some of the best chefs in the world. Yeah. And I mean, it was just it, you know, so we were in Paris for a full year. I did mm-hmm. a three-month internship at um, a Michelin-starred steakhouse in Paris, wow. um, and it was just—it was just an absolutely, you know, incredible experience. And yeah. I had the opportunity there. There was a mystery box-style three-day cooking contest hmm. um, that was at Versailles, and mm-hmm. I had entered, and um, I won over three mm. days, which kind of wow. surprised me. But um, it was sort of a French. Uh, Caribbean cooking contest. Interesting. Um, and uh, getting hungry. Trophy. Yeah. Trophy <laughs> Babette. 
so yeah, that was just, it was just an amazing experience. And it's actually something that probably I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about now that I'm settled here that at the next, um, one of the next upcoming TES is not the Lisbon one because I couldn't get it in, in time. Mm. Um, but I think I wanted to start doing kind of a chef's table at the shows. Oh, that's cool. You're um, going to be, you're going to be in Lisbon, right? Yeah, I'll be in Lisbon. I okay, will good. Be in Lisbon. good. Yeah, good. You don't, you, have, will? you don't, you don't, oh yeah, you don't have too far oh, to come just uh, for the, for the sake of a disclaimer, this might not run before that, but, yeah. uh, but uh, we'll have had a really good time. Um, you know, what really bums me out. Another thing about the pandemic that bums me out, I wanted to come taste your cooking, but with the pandemic and everything, I, by the time I got there, I missed you, which really bummed me out. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So back to the business, do you see pay sites trending up or trending down? I, I mean, I definitely see them them trending up. I mean, you know, I think I think the power dynamics has shifted to creators. You've got all the girls that are, you know, in OnlyFans. But I also believe that, you know, it's necessary to have brands involved, um, mm-hmm. brands like Yanks and, and other pay sites yep. um, in that mix in some way. And that that may that I think that there's going to be an evolution into what a pay site is um, yeah. and there's going to be other products coming along. But I believe that brands like Yanks are going to play a big role in it. So I, I believe that the pay site being just where you would find our presence, the, you know, mm-hmm. the most concentrated will still exist. Um, and, you know, and I believe that has to do with the fact that the tubes now realize that they can't kill their supply chain. Um, and, True. and, you know, they're all, you know, very quickly shifting towards, uh, you know, premium models and, and um, yep. pay-per-view mm-hmm. and mini memberships in their sites, you know, as opposed to free content that they can't control. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's the other thing too, is I think there, I think that the tube sites are recognizing the value of the fact that when you have, you know, they can't be the gatekeepers of a hundred million videos, you know, right. because, because, the bad Master stuff. Card, Mastercard and Visa told them that. <laughs> well, yeah, and they should have known that. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is, Absol- is industry, absolutely, they, absolutely. This industry should have known that. Um, you know, no matter. I mean, those companies aren't big enough to be the gatekeepers of a hundred million videos, and so no. bad stuff's going to slip in. And so the best way to do that is to you know establish pay site owners and content producers and creators as, as the mm-hmm. gateway that that gives them the content that they can trust. Right. Um, you know, and they, and this is, you know, that's, that's a leadership issue is that, mm-hmm. you know, I see a lot of people that bitch about, um, you know, the New York times writer exposing Pornhub. And, and while I certainly don't, you know, like, like I said, I work with Pornhub, I, I wouldn't want them to hear this and be like, Oh, you know, let's not work mm. with Todd anymore. And yeah. Yanks, but you know, I mean, I don't know that, that what, what the New York times exposed was something this whole industry knew for a decade, you know, it, it's just oh, not sure. shocking. And, and so we had ample opportunity to fix that and we didn't. And they didn't. Right. And so that's what happens. So now mm-hmm. do we fix the next things that we know about? Right. Like age, like age verification. And yeah. I've, I felt for a long time that the adult industry should come up as a whole with an age verification method that everybody accepts. If they do that, then governments aren't going to tell them what to do. Yeah. I mean, the more self-regulation we can do, or at least, you know, and that's it. It's like, you know, again, it's like, oh, you know, the, the New York Times are they're, you know, hunting and they're they're after us and 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 the Christian right is after us. Well, and they we'll, kind of they kind of are, but they, they are for sure. But we, we mm-hmm. give them we make ourselves open to it. 
you know, and oh, so, you're right. you know, exactly what you said, like do something where, whether it's age verification or just really self-police so that you can stand up and be like, Hey, we're, you know, we're doing more than, than other industries are. And, and, right. and we're not, you well, know? we certainly, you know, through ASACP, we do a lot, you know, yeah. for the, for protection of children, but you're right. We, we could certainly do more. So how do you view, um, that con that dying, that power dynamic, um, in terms of content creators, do you, I mean, content creators certainly have the power at this point, wouldn't you say? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that it's really interesting because a number of years ago, I tried to launch a program where, um, you know, models could submit their videos to Yanks and we'd, mm-hmm. you know, we had a, like a, a very short checklist of what they needed to do. Um, to submit their videos, we'd set up a profile page on Yanks. We would pay them a little less because they didn't have to travel or anything, and they do it at home, so the quality wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just never took off, but it, it it didn't really work because at the time there were some people that you know didn't have a good camera, or their smartphone was older, sure. and it just didn't capture you know good camera or a good quality content. Right. Um, but now that that's possible, and so sure. I think the creators you know, they've realized that they can make money on their own. Mostly. I think a lot of those girls yeah. too. Also, I see a lot of girls with, with pay sites as well. Mm-hmm. We have, um, we have creators writing us all the time now that they just want to give us content to put on Yanks so that, mm-hmm. that I can send traffic from our members area back out to their only fans and back out to their page and, and their model sure. hub and all that. And so it's, it, it, it's really nice that they, now it's not just about the money, it's about them kind of taking control and ownership of the traffic as well. Sure. Uh, where I think brands come into it though as well is that, you know, to be a creator, the barriers to entry are very low yep. and models do float in and out of the industry. I mean, a girl come in, she'll make a little money and then she'll leave. So there's not a lot of stability to that. And it's, it's, it's a, a lot of churn. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where brands really can, can help in paying in providing the stability between the distribution channels like the tubes and mm-hmm. the churn of of the creators themselves. Sure. Now, what do you believe the future holds for VR and AR? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because we're we're now, and I don't know what programs will be launched by the time this airs or not. Um, but we're working on a creator platform for Yanks, not a platform, nice. but a creator platform within Yanks. Um, mm-hmm. Not the same as an OnlyFans, just more of a, a more of a a method for the girls to get um, you know traffic from our members area mm-hmm. and to be profiled on Yanks. So it's it's more mm-hmm. of a more of a I guess an advertising and a brand awareness for them through Yanks. Sure. Um, sure. So that's going to be be launched. And then I think where we're actually going to create our own content in-house is going to be just purely VR. Hmm. Um, and VR is interesting because I think that a lot of the industry doesn't, you know, they're like, okay, VR is dead. And they say that VR is dead just because hmm. it didn't it didn't blow up the way everything does. And I think in this industry, if something doesn't go from zero to a thousand in two days, right. it's shit, right. you know? Sure. Um, but, you know, when I look at my VR content, if I, you know, when I look at the the places where I'm selling like pay-per-view and different VOD platforms, a VR video makes um, on average five to six times what a Yanks flat video does or a Yanks TV. Wow. I mean, so, and once you, once you make the initial investment of the camera, which is not that big of a deal um, and, you know, have an editor, the cost of producing the VR versus the, the 2D isn't really that big of a deal. Sure. Um, so, you know, and I love, 
you know, especially because Yanks, because it's it's girl girl and it's solo girl, it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to capture it well in VR. Right. So I mean that's where that's where our focus is. And I think that it's gonna just slowly build. Obviously, mm-hmm. VR and AR will go somewhere at some point, whether it's sure. I don't think it's necessarily Zuckerberg's idea of the metaverse. Hmm. But you know, a hundred years from now, there's certainly going to be contact lenses you have in that are that are AR. I mean, that's yeah. just that, that's well, what's going to be. So no matter yeah, what, yeah, I think I think when Apple comes out with their AR devices, when it's going to blow up personally, yeah, AR and that, glasses, and we yeah. know they're working on them. Yeah, and so that I mean that'll be cool. And and, and you know, and I I just got the MetaQuest too because I had mm. taken some time off of VR, and I was blown away. Um, by the difference between the first version of Oculus, which I always have, which I have as well, mm-hmm. um, and the and the MetaQuest, mm. and um, you know, I don't spend. I, you know, I think that there's things too where it's like I could sit and read my phone for hours and hours, and I'll be <laughs> on my computer for hours and hours, and I, I'm not on my VR headset for hours and hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when I do, I really enjoy it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't consumed much VR content to be honest. I bought a pretty nice uh, VR headset but uh yeah it's kind of gathering dust unfortunately but i gotta have it because in my position i have to be able to view all content so yeah um and i've never been a person who views porn when i'm not working pretty much but every once in a while i come upon something and go hmm that's nice yeah um so what do you see as a missed opportunity in the adult industry it's just still going back to leadership and and um you know and 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 the focus on content but then I also understand that, um, you know, I guess there's more on that is that the, the this industry is very young. And so obviously it's going to go through cycles where we learn mm-hmm. um, and we adjust and we evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that while those opportunities were missed over the past, you know, 25 years, um, mm-hmm. I think that maybe, you know, we have, we have plenty of time to write the ship and capitalize mm-hmm. on just coming together um, as an industry and, and coming together as an industry with the purpose of making the most money for all of us, you know, like that's what sure. I, I, that's what I always think too, is people, right. you know, when they, when they go, you know, you're kind of naive about it. It's all about the bottom line. Well, great. Let's make it about the bottom line, but absolutely let's just get all the good people making a ton of money mm-hmm. and sell the content, you know? Yeah. And so well, I think, I think, we'll, you know, when we'll I, do that. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but you no, know, when it comes when it comes right down to it, in any industry, best practices make the most money, and the adult industry is no different, right? True, true, absolutely. You see it because you know there's there's, I mean, the things that that we started, I think you know, I I wrote written down that um, so many of the production um, ethics and the production, like the code of conduct for producing that I see mm-hmm. some sites having now. I mean that's stuff that that we did in 2002. I see a lot of sites coming out, and and and, and it kind of sometimes it can be a bit frustrating when somebody gets a lot of press and they're like, you know, we we treat our models with respect, and that's what sets us apart, and we're different. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, well, you? You know, we've been <laughs> doing that. You? Yeah, yeah. We I mean we've been doing that since since 2000, and 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 doing sort of unscripted and. Um, right. you know, just, just doing things different. Cause I, I did see a lot of producers in San Diego and some were, you know, were really great. I mean, Laura Merchant, I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what she was doing for naughty America, but then I saw some, some producers there where they were doing some extraordinarily shady stuff with models. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some yeah. of them are in prison now for good reason. Like those girls yeah. uh, do porn guys. 
Um, yep. and, and their sentence couldn't be long enough, not, not, no. not to mention Mr. Jeremy, which we won't get into, but in one of my, uh, one of my future episodes, um, I'll be talking to somebody about that, that has uh, some interesting insights. Um, so, be- uh, every once in a while we do break news, Todd. Yanks donates a portion of its proceeds to call to safety. Why don't you tell me what call to safety is and perhaps explain that relationship? Yeah, so um, Call to Safety was is um, is a charitable organization that was founded in the early '70s, um, and mm-hmm. it was just initially a call line uh, for people to call in about domestic violence. And now they've they've adjusted mm-hmm. their mission a little bit, and they fight domestic violence and sexual violence. Good. Um, and we had we had decided to look for a charity about five or six years ago that we wanted to just give a dollar of every sale that we make um, for Yanks and Yanks VR. Mm-hmm to a charity. But what we wanted to do was do it publicly. Um, right. I didn't want to give an anonymous donation. If I'm going to give you money, I want to be able to say that, that we're giving you money. I wanted to be a real charity. I didn't want to, you know, I think that we could, you could start a charity, you could start an organization and you could donate mm-hmm. it to yourself and then you could donate it to somewhere else. I mean, you know, right. definitely donate it, but I wanted it to go to a real organization that is mm-hmm. nationally known right. um, and they are. And so it took me a year of actually um, talking to different organizations. Um, mm-hmm. Like one that was was incredibly interesting was V Day, which was like they did the vag- vagina monologues, and they're just like <laughs> pro woman and all this stuff. And they they were sure. just flat out rude to me, which was amazing because I'm like, wow, like here we are doing this. We're very fe- we're 100 yeah. percent female produced for I real. I was going to ask you something. I, I mean, I would imagine that some of the charities turned you down. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there were some that were there were some that made sense. Um, one of the things mm-hmm. we started looking at was uh, female circumcision because I'm like, well, what a direct you know tie-in that we are primarily a you know sort of you know uh, solo girl and girl girl, but it's you know real orgasms is is one of our main focuses. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting segue to here's this you know this problem where. Um, women's and girls' clitorises are being cut off. Um, yep. They refused us, but they kind of they had a really good play where they're like, we work in so many um, countries, so many sort of third world countries, and sure. we get a majority of our money from Christian organizations. And so that yeah. if they knew that we were getting this money, they'd stop. And yeah. I can't unless you can duplicate all that money, we can't do it. So sure. I understood that. Um, some of them were just like, you're porn, you're dirty, you're horrible people without even looking at what we do. Aren't we though? Um, yeah, <laughs> of course. And, you know, so when we, when I, when I did finally talk to call of safety, I had to do an interview with the CEO and, and talk to the board and, um, you know, they were impressed with, um, you know, we're pro sex worker, um, Yanks yep. we advertise a hundred percent female produced and we are, I mean, it's a hundred percent female models female producers, uh, videographers, our editors, mm-hmm. our content manager. Um, I'm usually, you know, I, I talk to Billy, my partner about what we're doing. And so she, mm-hmm. her input is always there. So it, it's, it's really a female driven company and right. the content is female driven. So they sure. really like that. And so we've been doing, we've been working with them for five years. And, um, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the things I said is I want to be able to put a link to call to safety on the site. I right. want to be able to do a PR if I want to and say Yanks is supporting Call of Safety with a blue link. They were okay with that. Great. So that was really good. And I don't know many, I don't know many or if any other companies donate to a charity that isn't 
you know, just an industry charity, not that that's adult bad, specific, but, yeah, yeah, or adult well, specific, or one that yeah. they organize themselves. Maybe more should definitely. Do you have any Absolutely. any kind of a sense of how much you've given them so far? Um, I I think it's probably been um probably like fifty grand, maybe more than that. That's a nice amount. That's awesome. Well, Todd, I would like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. My broker tip today is part six of how to buy an adult website. Last week, we talked about the sales agreement. So now both you and the seller have signed the agreement. What comes next? There needs to be an escrow set up where you send the money, whether it be a one-time payment or a deposit if you're going to be making payments. The seller, for their part, puts any tangible assets into escrow, namely the domains being sold and anything else that can be put into escrow. Your attorney can give you more information on that. We recommend escrow domains for escrows. They're a firm out of Washington, D.C., and no, they're not paying me to say this. I just use them, trust them, and am delighted by the work they've done for us. Either an escrow agreement will be drawn up by them in the case of a custom escrow, or if it's a simple one, it can be set up on their website. Then you, the buyer, the seller, and the broker will be contacted by escrow domains with further instructions, such as wiring information. The escrow is opened, and either the deal closes within a matter of a few days, or an inspection period is allowed. It all depends on what the agreement calls for. Whether you need an inspection period really depends on whether there's still some information you need to find out prior to the deal closing. Your broker and your attorney can advise you more on this, and it's on a case-by-case basis. Then the money is transferred, as are the domains, and the deal is closed. Now, in many cases, in fact, most of the time, the seller either stays on board for a period of time to help with the transition or is at least available on an on-call basis to answer questions. This is something most buyers should ask for. But at this point, you pretty much own the website. What do you do now? We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be speaking with award-winning trans performer and producer, Jamie Kelly. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Todd Spates. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.